Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, welcome to the American Liberties Wednesday Night Call. Today is April 12, and um, the uh, I just want to get some things off of my uh, chest here for a moment, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, mute all, and then uh, block chat. And as I'm talking, I will uh, I will unblock everybody that uh, is meant to be unblocked. And hello there, pellet man. Um, okay. Um, everybody saw an e- email today or yesterday, whenever it went out about a, a 1099 OID filers, Department of Justice has lost its patience. And and it addressed a couple websites to go to, and and it talked about you know the the extreme penalties that people can get, and we had a, a call with somebody about this and uh, that is facing OID charges and and the possibility the government's possibilities doesn't look good at all. The possibilities um, could turn to the favor of the defendant uh, because of mens rea, but that's that's another story, and that's going to be up to Dave to talk about. The thing the the thing that I'm a little bit upset about is I asked a couple guys who that have lists to email it to their list, the same exact thing that you got. From me, and Bob Hurt wrote, uh, it puts it on um, uh, puts it out there, and which I'm thankful for. But what I'm not thankful for is that he put in, in case you ha- you know, on on the top, he says, in case you haven't learned. This already tax protest uh, tax protesters filing 1099 OIDs with tax returns stand in good chance of getting indicted, prosecuted, and sentenced to a long terms in prison. If you want a way not to pay taxes and don't owe and not go to prison for it, go here and is to Lost Horizon. Pete Hendrickson's website. Now, I'm not going to disagree with what Pete puts out. That's not my position. If he wants to put out stuff and it works for many, God bless him. But I can't tell you how many people that we've talked to, and we can show you people that have gone to prison following his method. 
whether the method is right or wrong. Again, we're dealing with corrupt system. I'm not going to get in to, you know, that that form you fill out and all that. I mean, I know a lot of people who did it. My daughters even did it. And, and, and they got quickly um, chastised by by the IRS. And and they changed and they turned around and got it straight because I told them to. I don't tell anybody not to pay taxes. I don't tell anybody to pay taxes. And you know what we do is we give you the law. This is what the statutes say and so forth. If if you listen, if you go to wevgov.com, the law is so clear. David does such an articulate job on his videos. That, that are offered on the website. We have a whole book on the Codebreaker, the Section 83 equation. We have all kinds of and other material that explains, you know, the, uh, the, the intent, willful failure to file and all this. And that's what we're all about. We're, we're, just, we're offering what we have learned and researched and over the years, and tell you the experience of people that have used these methods. Now, the question was asked, well, haven't people used your product and, and gone to prison? Yes. There was a guy that, that gave, you know, that did the criminal complaint the day he got indicted, you know? I mean, th- does that count? But most of the, I don't know anybody that got the criminal complaint, you know, joined the criminal complaint, got the copies off to the IRS, the DOJ, and so forth in sufficient time, and sent copies to all the people that needed it, got indicted. I don't know one person. Now, I know one that did have all the time to do it and never sent anything out. He just joined the criminal complaint and kept it under the rug. And he did get indicted. So, you know, and, and, and these are the experience that I follow and that I have firsthand knowledge of. And, and yet I have firsthand knowledge of people that did Pete Hendrickson's thing and, and, um, and have gone to prison. And so what I'm saying here is, you know, if you know Bob Hurt, you know, I'm Bob's heart, uh, Bob Hurt's email you you have my blessings to tell him that um you know I am offended by him produ- you know promoting Pete Hendrickson's thing regarding my my name okay I don't want to uh I don't want to put put it out out there that I I condone it I I not 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 necessarily I condemn it but I don't condone it because he offers no assistance if, if when they start coming to get you indicted, okay, and and those people come to us because they did sign it under the penalties of perjury, and 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 they had good intentions and they thought they were following the law because when they when they do talk to the IRS about the law, the law is a secret. End of story. Case be done. So with that being said, I'd like to turn this now over to David because. <laughs> He's got some really good uh, uh, things coming out of what has been taking place this week. So, Dave, are you on? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah, I don't feel anybody can really afford to be associated in any way 
with uh, Pete Hendrickson. The guy really is a derelict, and he's fanatical about it. He's not a researcher. He's not competent. And if you went to uh, wevgov.com on the federal income taxation page, you'll see a link that says my review of Cracking the Code by Pete Henderson and Tax Court's review of Cracking the Code. And uh, if you've heard my calls before, you know that James R. Back in Anchorage, Alaska, went to prison for 16 months for filing six Pete Hendrickson tax returns. So uh, you're rolling the dice. Here's somebody with a prescription. Hey, do this. Here's what I think you should do. Get your money back. And he gets people in trouble. And I'm over here going, before you do anything, listen to what I say. And I preach caution. You know, here's who you're dealing with. And here's how little the law matters to them. And so I really need you to think twice about this. And I'll try to keep you out of trouble. So I'm at the opposite end of the effort. <clears throat> and uh, uh, Pete Hendrickson calls Section 83 gibberish. Well, you don't have that luxury. The courts say it explains how to tax all compensation. You have to comply with it. So if you think it's gibberish, you ought to stop selling your book, close your website, and go consult a professional, Peter. So uh, another part of the uh, the anti-tax movement is really the topic I'd hope to cover today. Um, uh, touch on Adele Weiss of WeissParis.com, no spaces, W-E-I-S-S-P-A-R-I-S.com, who offers a uh, process whereby he can get you from tax court when you're in trouble with the IRS and uh, you say, give me a notice of deficiency and file a petition or go to uh, get permission of uh, petition tax court, they'll give you documents to file. And it'll ultimately result in a court order saying, for lack of jurisdiction, we hereby dismiss this action. And he celebrates it as a victory. See, tax court admits it has no jurisdiction when in fact you're the plaintiff. And if you're in a court with no jurisdiction, you're a plaintiff that filed a claim that's in a court that can't hear it. That's not a victory. It's a loss. And uh, uh, he makes $5,000 per client, and the client loses also the amount of money the IRS says they owe. And until I see an individual master file, that shows that the debt has been vanquished because the people went to tax court, all he's done is succeeded in getting their last chance to petition tax court and get a resolution. Uh, all he's done is squander that. It's gone <clears throat> because he failed to petition the tax court correctly. So that's not a victory. And yet, uh, probably 100 or 200 clients, let's say it's 100 clients, 500, uh, 5,000, that's $500,000 to lose 100 cases and make it look uh, and parade like their victories. And also the average, let's say the assessment in each of those cases, 100 of them, only 100, there's probably way more than that by now, uh, $20,000. That's $2 million 
that he made for the government and a half a million dollars that he made for himself. Oh, happy day, the movement. So you have <coughs> you have on wevgov.com, for those of you that are on the phone only, uh, and thanks for joining the call, everybody. There's a couple of uh, brand new names I don't uh, recognize. Welcome to the call. My name is David Merlin. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider it something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. There's an archive of calls here on 87488 and on 59615 here in TalkShoe. That's my TalkShoe. No confidence. So exploit those calls. Download them. Listen to them. If today's not your cup of tea and you bail out early, don't forget the calls are archived here. And uh, there's a lot of great stuff on wevgov.com also. wevgov.com, inside the website, left-hand side, top of the menu column, there's a link that says YouTube 2. Click on YouTube 2. It'll take you to my YouTube page, free tutorials. Now, on wevgov.com, on the federal income taxation page, there's a link I just added to commemorate the indictments that Chris and I have come across in the last week. OID filers. This is on the federal income taxation page of wevgov.com. Just uh, like three red lines from the top. OID filers, 600 plus years in prison. Here. Click on here and it brings up a short (coughs) essay or article if you want, introduction to the two articles below that from the Department of Justice's own website. And I took the name out of the second article and put in Jake instead. Uh, I've spoken with the guy, and uh, it's, you know, it's personal. So uh, the other one is an article that was already published on the... uh, DOJ's website before I spoke to the guy (coughs) or that I knew, uh, didn't find out about. Uh, Anyway, the first one is a couple in uh, Hermosa Beach, California. And this this article, I should start with the article that I wrote above it, um, probably only about 800 words, uh, maybe less. It's about the anti-tax movement and how... uh, You know, it's one thing to file a tax return that's wrong, bad boy, penalty, interest. A tax return that pulls a shenanigan, bad boy, uh, filing fraudulent documents, maximum five years in prison. And then there's another entirely different category that you jump into when you don't file tax returns, but instead file these personal securities, like an OID, whatever that stands for, a um, a uh, personal money order, a uh, bill of rest, a bill of um, a bill of exchange. Uh, these other names that people have come up with for personal securities that seek to represent. Uh, value or uh, discharge of a debt. 
you step into an entirely different category. The moment you don't, you go from tax returns that are like Pete Hendrickson to a 1099 OID like uh, 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 Glenn What's-His-Face. What was the name of the guy that uh, the caller mentioned? Hall? Gordon Hall? Yeah, Gordon Hall. Gordon Hall. Okay. Um, you step into filing personal securities, 1099 OID. From a tax return, maximum five years in prison for that tax return to 25 years maximum in prison for that security. Under 18 U.S.C. Section 514, which says whoever with intent to defraud, and this this is how the indictment reads, number two, passes, utters, presents, offers, brokers, issues, sells, or attempts, or causes the same with like intent possesses within the United States, and then the indented part, any false or fictitious instrument, document, or other item appearing or representing, purporting, or whatever, to be an actual security or other financial instrument issued under the authority of the United States or a foreign government, or an organization, or other political subdivision. Some of these, if they're just personal securities, this, therefore, would not apply to them, would it? So there's the first opening. I have to see those securities that they issued to see if they purported to be issued under the authority of the United States. Because I don't think the indictment said that, and that's an essential element. Class B felony, 18 U.S.C., uh, hang on, 18 U.S.C., I'm looking for the uh, breakdown, oh, look at that, I went and wiped it out, 3231, 18 U.S.C., statute, of limitations, Cornell Law School, uh, 3282. The statute, oh, well, that's not the one I was looking for. Offense is not capital. I wanted that list. Do you recall which statute that was, Chris? Not offhand. Um, um, no. That listed uh, for Class A felony, it's so many years. For Class B, it's so many years. Um, <clears throat> doggone it. And this one is not that one. The Class B felony, as this one says it is, is uh, 25 years in prison maximum. So uh, they're really batting for the fences with these. 18 U.S.C. 514 charges. You went from five years per count to 25 years per count. The government is out of patience. That's what I take from this. So as you scroll down, uh, you see the uh, article about the couple from Hermosa Beach, 58 years old and 50 years old, 
uh, husband and wife, respectively. And uh, the difference between this one and the one below it, Sean David Morton and his wife, they filed these, uh, let's see, coupon for set-off, settlement enclosure. Call it an OID. Call it anything. It's just another personal security contrivance in the government's eyes that says we have to put these people in prison. They don't reach out and warn you. They indict you first and see if they can fill some prison beds so they can justify more employees at the Internal Revenue Service and the DOJ and the Bureau of Prisons. <clears throat> and so in this case, though, the, the first of the two articles, they took these uh, coupons for set-offs uh, amounting to 50, uh, 5.2 or 5.3 and 8.4 million. And uh, let's see, uh, paragraph number seven, um, enclosure in the amount of 44,000 and a purported bond in exchange for a $14,000 refund she had sought. And in 2013, both defendants allegedly presented to the IRS two, quote, non-negotiable discharging bond and indemnity, end quote, in the amounts of $10 million for Sean David Morton and $600,000 for Melissa Morton. And they sent them to various IRS offices. Um, uh to pay off these debts, as you see in paragraph number eight. And if the ones for a refund were sent to different offices, that means they were trying to get multiple refunds for the same years. And so I think that separates them from somebody who would make a righteous argument for a lack of criminal intent. Then... <coughs> Paragraph number 12, pardon me, uh, you tally up all the charges, and this is this is the DOJ talking. If they are convicted of the charges in the superseding indictment, Sean David Morton would face a statutory maximum sentence of 650 years in federal prison, and Melissa Morton would face a statutory maximum of 625 years. Okay? <coughs> now, paragraph 10. Driven by insatiable greed and a blatant disregard for the tax code, Mr. and Mrs. Morton have a long history of allegedly filing bogus tax returns and fictitious instruments claiming fraudulent refunds, says the special agent in charge of the IRS down there, wherever this was, California. Quote, people who create elaborate schemes that have no purpose other than to defraud the IRS run the very high risk of prosecution, end quote. Yeah, to the tune of 650 years, that's real. That, that. Let's plea, uh, take a plea agreement. Okay, down to 10%. 65 years in prison? Really? Plea agreement, 5%. Well, now you're really asking a lot of a bunch of prosecutors that send innocent, innocent people to prison for a living. Five percent? Okay, 32 and a half years. 
They're 58 years old and 50 years old, respectively. That's a death sentence. The rest of their days in prison because they filed OIDs or anything else in that same category. And they went for it. Now, although their conduct, really, and they have a long history, and their conduct uh, is really off the charts compared to the second one, the second article, the number of years is similar. This was a 56-count indictment, I think. 58-count? 56? Paragraph 2, 56-count superseding indictment. So they probably went hardball on the government, filed some more personal securities or proof of QCIP monetization of the indictment or something, and so the government superseded them. They just lost their remaining days. They're going to prison because even in a plea agreement, it's going to be 25 years. (coughs) Number two, Jake substituted for names of defendants. So you got Jake and Mrs. Jake, both indicted, uh, and it happens to be, let's see, I'm looking for the number of counts. I think it was 25 counts, 24 counts. I think it's 25 counts. (laughs) And uh, I've read this indictment. It comes in two halves. Uh, Counts 14 through 24 are for 18 U.S.C. 514, fictitious obligations, which we just read about is 25 years per count. So 11 counts of 25 years per count. Count with me. That's 275 years. (laughs) That's for the husband. The uh, Mrs. Jake, two counts. But on his, it's like uh, 25 counts. The other of the, let's see, 25 minus 11, 14 counts. The other 14 counts are tax counts, which are five years apiece. So 14 times five, that's 70 plus. 275 years, 345 years for the husband's indictment, maximum statutory penalties uh, for uh, prison, plus the uh, restitution. If he ever gets out, it'll bury him. $450,000 in restitution. Okay, that's a lifetime. You may as well just leave the guy in prison. He just destroyed him. So he is uh he is it should say in here somewhere. Um I think he's fifty seven and uh she's fifty. <laughs> so oh Jake is fifty six. Um and uh Mrs. Jake is fifty eight. So they're both in a lot of trouble because when you look at a plea agreement, how many years are you still talking? Because they filed OIDs. And I can tell you what I told this 
gentleman I would do in his situation. He hasn't been arrested. He just found out about this and uh, decided to consult with me to get my opinion uh, free. And he got it free. We were on the phone with him for over an hour. And I said, this is the kind of trouble you're in. Let's go through your counts and let's go through the fact that you haven't been in trouble before and let's go through the fact that the judge has certain things they have to consider in sentencing. <coughs> you have uh, 514, which is a Class B felony, up to 20 years. And then you have uh, 1341, frauds and swindles, 20 years per count if he plays hardball with him and goes to trial, they could supersede the indictment and file an extra count from the grand jury for mail fraud under this statute for each one of those that he put in the mail for the IRS, those personal money orders. <coughs> and that would double the amount of time he's facing almost. Uh, Section 3553 of Title 18 is the criteria that the judge has to consider before sentencing somebody, uh, you know, at sentencing. Uh, 18 U.S.C. 3553, the judge shall consider the nature and circumstances of the offense and the history and characteristics of the defendant. I've never been in trouble before. I just filed a bunch. And look at the complexities of the tax code. <coughs> you know, who could tell up from down? And so the circumstances of the offense and the history and characteristics of the defendant are really on these people's side. Not on Pete Hendrickson's side, but on his victim's side. Number two, the need for the sentence imposed. A, to reflect the seriousness of the offense, to promote respect for the law, and to provide just punishment for the offense. Just punishment? for something that carries upwards of 300, 400, 500 years, the just punishment is still a colonoscopy. <laughs> B, to afford adequate deterrence to criminal conduct in the future. Oh, you can bet your sweet one, Your Honor, I'll never do this again. So you got that on your side. C, to protect the public from further crimes of the defendant. You bet this wasn't even against the public. I don't like the IRS, but I'm not going to do this again. So you got C covered, and D, to provide the defendant with needed educational or vocational training, medical care, or other correctional treatment in the most effective manner. Your Honor, I know what would do this for me. The Taxpayer's Bill of Rights says you're entitled to a clear explanation of the laws. I got like, like, I don't know, 15 or 20 provisions here, some statutes and regulations I need clear explanations of, starting with Section 83 and the regulations thereunder, or the definition of employee or the definition of citizen in the chapters about uh, Social Security. Full explanation of those. Could you impose that along with my sentence that the plaintiff shall provide this? The kind of sentences available the judge shall consider, uh, established for your offense range. If you're a violent offender, you can't get certain treatment. If you're a white-collar offender, and if you're a first-time offender, you get a pillow or two. 
maybe less in prison, maybe uh, less, less, less stringent security measures at the facility they lock your ass up in. And it goes on from there. And then you got tax evasion. They could add that to the indictment if they wanted. There, it's already in the second indictment. But if they wanted uh, anything they haven't in, put in the first indictment, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. In the she indictment, the wife indictment, it's only two counts. Uh, filing fictitious obligation. It's two counts for a reason. There's a reason it's not one count. It's two counts. Maximum 50 years in prison, 25 years each count. Got you now. Oh, you're scared? We'll let you plead out to one count. We'll, we'll cut it in half. But they will not reduce it to a tax charge. I'll bet you anything. Filing false tax documents? These weren't tax documents. You file personal money orders to discharge a debt. And so she'll have to plead guilty to one count because she won't win at trial on two counts. <clears throat> and they'll probably say 48 months. Or if you take us to trial, we're going to supersede the indictment with 26 U.S.C. 7201, attempt to defeat and evade taxes for those years and join you to your husband's indictment. And then you got uh, 18 U.S.C. 3231 that says district courts shall have jurisdiction of all offenses of the United States. And so you have to put proof in front of the court there is no offense, meaning the party is innocent. What do you mean innocent? They didn't have criminal intent. That's innocent. It's an essential element, and if you don't have it, you're innocent. And the government has been overlooking it for 50 or 60 years since Morissette versus United States, 1952, which was cited prominently in 2015 by the Supreme Court in Alonis versus United States. Get my course on criminal intent on wevgov.com products page. So... These people that file OIDs and these personal money orders, they've been sold a bill of goods. They haven't been convinced to commit a crime by the people that sold them courses and sold them a seat at a seminar about how to cut checks on a closed account like uh, Victoria Joy was teaching up here in Seattle one day. Um, these... Uh, it's hard to describe. Uh, give me a break. Um, these uh, the people that you know. I'm not. I'm trying really hard not to call them idiots. Is what I'm trying to do. They've been sold a bill of goods by idiots. Idiots with wide open mouths uh, sold a bill of goods to well-intentioned Americans that know something's wrong, and they went for it, and they got in a whole bunch of trouble because of it. And the government look, overlooks entirely whether or not the person had ill intent and just indicts them and takes them to the cleaners, threatens them so they plead guilty. Next case. And that's where people find themselves. And so you really have to address 
convincing the government in advance of any indictment or investigation, really, that you had criminal intent. <clears throat> so I told this guy on the phone that if I wanted to convince the government I had no criminal intent but had done what he had done, I said I would immediately go about revoking everything. Because as soon as you uh, learned that you were indicted, you're on the phone to me. And as soon as you verified, yeah, you've been indicted, you immediately sent out a letter saying, evidently the government doesn't like what I'm doing, uh, so I better ask you to disregard those until I iron this problem out uh, if there's a problem with what I'm doing. I thought I had every right to do what I did. So at least he has that one exhibit in his favor if, uh, if it rains down later on it. I want to start building a record that says, uh, gosh, gee, sorry, servant breath. I didn't mean to break the law or anything. Why don't I just rescind all those? And that's the fastest way to provide for your future counsel an exhibit that they can argue in your favor under Alonis versus the United States. Get my criminal intent course on wevgov.com. You'll get the upgrade. Uh, if you buy that course now, uh, you'll get the, let's see, how do we offer uh, the upgrade, Chris? Uh, we'll work out a deal for you. If you want to get in line for the upgrade, I'm going to do an update on the Alonis case because there's decisions coming out that are based on Alonis. And I, I found a couple that say, well, Alonis, that was a decision that went only a particular way, so it doesn't count in this case. And that's a district court judge already fudging on Alonis, uh, trying to uh, diminish its impact. And then another case comes out in the Supreme Court citing the Alonis decision six months later that contradicts the district court case, which is a very funny sequence. Uh, in fact, I've got that right here. Uh, this, this is downright peculiar. Uh, when you look at um, comparing case law discoveries, that's not the document, um, putting the right two cases together to prove your point is... Uh, Difficult. <clears throat> Here's a Ninth Circuit case, 1994. It is fundamental that a person is not criminally responsible unless criminal intent accompanies the wrongful act. See Morissette versus United States, 1952. Consequently, to have probable cause to believe that a crime has been committed, this is the prosecutor, this is the cop, this is the criminal investigations agent for the IRS. Consequently, to have probable cause to believe that a crime has been committed, an arresting officer would have to reasonably believe that Sharon Gasho intended to defy and frustrate the seizure at the time that she removed the logbooks, end quote. Now, I have to translate. In this case, they were looking at how illegal it was to take those logbooks. Don't do that but they're talking about all criminal statutes at the same time. So take out logbooks, take out Sharon Gasho, 
take out, defy, and frustrate the seizure process <clears throat> and instead speak generally, for an arresting officer would have to reasonably believe that the defendant intended to violate this essential element of the crime. 1994, Ninth Circuit. And now you have, um, I'm trying to find these quotes directly in correlation with one another in one document. Can't seem to. Um, I really apologize. I had I didn't have a plan, but since we're into uh, this particular topic, there's particular three cases. When you put them side by side, the uh, district court stands out like a sore thumb as uh, screwing with the case of um, of uh, Alonis versus the United States. <coughs> So, uh, not got it. I wanted to put those three together for you on the air here, but uh, if I can't find them, then uh, no. So, anyway, Alonis says broadly it's an essential element of criminal statutes, and then this district court judge says, well, Alonis only applies to that charging statute in that case and not to this one in this case. And then six months later, the Supreme Court says it again and wipes out the district court judge's ruling, uh, which is also very nice to be able to point to. So anyway, uh, criminal intent is very important. And... Uh, uh, you simply have to uh, know what your rights are and establish a record that says, I don't have criminal intent. It's extremely important to have that in place. And uh, because now you see what they're willing to do. One charge of 25 years in prison, plea agreement. Well, how much are you still going to get? You're still going to get three to five years. You can't afford that. Start working now. Do what you can to prevent that. And if you know somebody that has filed OIDs, uh, get them in tune. they got to get my course right away. Uh, I wasn't into OIDs and defending them, and I just saw this indictment. I spoke to that guy, and I just, my jaw drops at, how much they're willing to do to somebody over this. Your life is gone if you file just a handful of these instead of tax returns. Then you're really screwed. The rest of your life is gone for nothing. So uh, the anti-tax movement has gotten extremely dangerous and uh, everybody really has to wake up as to as to how dangerous this really is. I just showed you indictments, uh, cases where indictments are brought for hundreds of years because they weren't tax returns this time. 
they were securities. And that's the big difference. Security Securities laws are generally enforced. You can look at uh, also a criminal statute be 15 U.S.C. 77Q. Uh, it's easy to get into securities fraud trouble. 15 U.S.C. 77A, definition of security. 77B, one of those. One of those is the definition of security. It might be 77B. And then 77Q is securities fraud. <clears throat> and uh, this indictment occurred under a statute that prohibits writing something that purports to be issued under the authority of the United States. So it's worse than a personal money order if you get a 514 charge. So, uh, man, just be careful. It, it's astonishing the amount of uh, years that they're willing to uh, pump out. Now, doggone it, I really wish I could find those uh, those uh, quotes from the uh, the two Supreme Court decisions and the District Court decisions side by side, and you could hear how they uh, <clears throat> how they contradict one another, and that the District Court judge really tried to pull a stunt. Um, yeah, damn. I'm not going to be able to find it. Doggone it. So, uh, so here you see a couple of examples of just really hard luck cases. The Patriot Movement has literally ruined lives. Gordon Hall is already in prison. Uh, Chris, tell us a little bit about Gordon Hall. I think you know more about him, don't you? What was his sentence? What was he charged with? Uh, plea agreement? Did he go to trial or what? No, he. Um, well, whether he went to trial or not, I'm not too sure. I, I'm sure. He, well, yeah, he did go to trial because he got convicted, and he's doing a bunch of years. But it, it wasn't anything about the 10990 IDs as much as it was uh, something that uh, he conspired with somebody. Uh, oh, that, that's right. I forgot. And, and buying land or something like that, and uh, something to do with a trust and and uh, and so forth. But he, uh, you know, in in impartial defense of Gordon Hall, you know, when he used the conditional acceptance and you know upon proof of claim, you know, I, me personally, I don't see anything wrong with that. But when you start writing out a promise, not promissory notes, but uh, 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 money orders, okay. He's writing out money orders, and um, and he's signing the uh, the documents for the uh, his client per se, and uh, and sending all this stuff in. And the and the people, I don't like to use the word client, but the the people that hire him to do this, um, you know, give him authority. But he but they never gave intentionally gave him authority to commit uh to violate laws and so to me that that there is a uh is is a big problem and i want to say that people have heard gordon hall even on my calls back you know years ago 
he was on my calls and and everything and uh he did a call with uh I forget with somebody on the fall's testimony and it, and it it seemed for a while that he was getting people uh, adjudicated out you know free and so forth but then came a time when one of my best friends he got 2 years and ironically is he got 2 years from the judge that previously supported the government's um uh, uh uh thing to not have an answer what do you call it when the government puts in a protection order from having to answer David's questions you know cuz in another case civil case David uh I mean uh, uh, Walden put in some uh some questions and the government got a protective order from having to answer them, because if they were to answer them, the case would be done. Period. End of story. Yeah, the IRS would be done. Yeah. So the um, so, but Gordon Hall, whether he had good intentions or bad intentions, I don't know. But I know Jack Smith and all of them are out there, and they're uh, they're still promoting it. And of course, when somebody goes to prison, like this guy here, uh, uh, Gordon Hall, and other people. Uh, for the OIDs and and money orders, they always want to blame it on somebody else. Well, he didn't follow it right, and there might be truth to that. I don't know, but this is what I do know. I use David's process. I use his criminal complaint that went to Congress in front of a grand jury. I put it in in the judge's face when the judge was had me in there to show cause why I should not be held in contempt. And and I haven't heard from the grand jury going on now for 11 years or going on 10 years, and uh, and now I'm hearing from them civilly, but that's but not criminally, and I can handle it better civilly, much better than I can criminal, and that's and that's the point that I wanted to make. Okay, uh, thanks, Chris. Avid Hutt, contact Chris with that question, please, and. Um... I just gave you the link for those of you that are on the phone. Get ready to write. You got this the other day if you were on the call. WeVGov.com slash WeVGov.com slash is all lowercase no spaces. WeVGov.com slash JudicialMisconduct.pdf JudicialMisconduct.pdf and in that, you'll find the three cases I was talking about. first one is aloneness. The fact that the statute does not specify any required mental state, however, does not mean that none exist. We have repeatedly held that mere omission from a criminal enactment of any mention of criminal intent should not be read as dispensing with it. See Morissette versus the United States, 1952. There's that case again. This rule of construction reflects the basic principle that wrongdoing must be conscious to be criminal. It's a basic principle. Um, let's see. That's, that's aloneness. It's a basic principle. They're speaking broadly about a criminal enactment. And here's district court six months later. Uh, let me see. Hang on, hang on. Uh, in that document, excuse me, I have to skip way ahead. Uh, excuse me, just go back to the end of the Alonis case that I cited. 
The next one is Torres versus Lynch, May 19, 2016, one year after Alonis. Consider the law respecting mens rea or criminal intent. In general, courts interpret criminal statutes, not just the one in Alonis. In general, courts interpret criminal statutes to require that a defendant possess mens rea or a guilty mind as to every element of the offense. In such cases, courts read the statute, not just the one in Alonis, they read the statute against a background rule, in quotes, background rule, that the defendant must know each fact making his conduct illegal or otherwise said they infer, absent an express indication to the contrary, that Congress intended such a mental state requirement. So they, they have to presume that Congress intended mental state or criminal intent. That's how firm the argument is. It's an essential element. It has to be present in every element of the offense. And a great example is uh, a guy at uh, 2581 James Avenue sends an email to somebody at 2185 James Avenue, three houses down, about his dog crapping in the yard. Do something with your dog, or so help me, I'm going to break your arm. And he gets charged under a federal statute prohibiting an interstate communication of a threat. How is he to know it's interstate? The guy lives three houses down the block. But here's court cases saying he has to possess mental or a mental state requirement of criminal intent as to every element of the offense. How would he know it was interstate commerce? See how firm this argument really is? It's, it's a big argument. And then you have that 1994 Ninth Circuit case that says uh, it's fundamental a person is not criminally responsible unless criminal intent accompanies the wrongful act. Consequently, to have probable cause to believe the crime has been committed, an arresting officer would have to reasonably believe that the defendant intended every essential element of the offense. And now we have the red indented on page number two of this document, wevgov.com slash judicialmisconduct.pdf, all lower cases, no spaces. Uh, and right here, here's a district court judge in New York, December of 2015, exactly between the other two decisions that were a year apart in the Supreme Court. Six months after the first one, this guy says, oh, no, uh, Ilonis was just a case about uh, statutory construction of that statute. It doesn't apply to other cases, other statutes. Wrong. It applies to all criminal statutes. So here that district court judge says, first, Alonis is a case of statutory construction and as such is limited to just that charging statute, 18 U.S.C. 875C. No case reported thus far extends Alonis's holdings beyond that statute. And Alonis itself does not address either extortion scheme that's at issue in this case. Second, Alonis 
uh, as a matter of statutory t interpretation, read the criminal intent requirement into that statute only to separate wrongful conduct from otherwise innocent conduct. Well, that was for the purposes of the facts in that case. But they read it into the statute generally because in all criminal statutes, he has a right to a jury instruction that says if he's not criminally intentional, he's not guilty. And the trial court wouldn't give that to him. And so he appealed all the way to the uh, Supreme Court on a concept. And the concept is used to separate wrongful con uh, conduct from otherwise innocent conduct. But along the way, the court said, this applies in every criminal case. He goes on, it applied that, it applied that rule of construction to uphold the principle that wrongdoing must be conscious to be criminal and the defendant must be blameworthy in mind before he can be found guilty. It is the absence of criminal intent requirement in 875C that drives the decision in Alonis. True. That's if you look at the facts of the case. But if you look at the concept upon which the facts of the case were decided, or the facts of the case were allowed to uh, form the decision, you have a concept called criminal intent that applies in every statute. If I was under another statute, I would go to that one with the criminal intent argument and say, this drives the requirement, or this is a, an essential element of this criminal statute, and so you have to prove it. The Alonis case says so. And make them tell me, oh, that only applies to 875C. Really? They're citing Morissette versus United States, and that wasn't about 875C. And in the case from the Ninth Circuit, they said, every criminal statute. <laughs> so so they don't have an argument. And here, six months after Alonis, you hear this district court judge trying to make an argument. And you have the the uh, Supreme Court six months later, Torres versus Lynch, May 2016. Consider the law respecting mens rea. In general, courts interpret criminal statutes, not just 875C, to require that a defendant possess mens rea. Courts interpret criminal statutes to require that the defendant possess criminal intent. See Alonis. And the Supreme Court cites Alonis one year after the Alonis decision. Anything in between these two cases just got waylaid. They took that district court judge and beat him to the ground like a baby seal and called animal control to scrape up his flaming carcass with a snow shovel. That's what they just did. So if you put those two Supreme Court cases right next to one another and then try to fit what that district court judge said in between them, wrong, can't do it. And this document is called judicialmisconduct.pdf. That is judicial misconduct right there. Uh, with that having been said, uh, let's close the call. And uh, Well, wait a, minute. wait a minute. I got uh, a, a steal. To, to, uh, okay, give me a second. Give me a second. And um, uh, remember to be careful, and uh, uh, you can easily jump into trouble that doesn't look like trouble at all. It's like a pond 
covered with algae. You throw a frisbee out there for a dog. The dog is going to run run out there thinking that it's a lawn, and uh, get the sorry surprise they're a foot underwater before they realize uh, what happened to them. And that's what just happened to these people that filed OIDs. And uh, I hadn't been looking at the chat. Uh, Chris says we have a man on the chat, and if it's uh, the man, I think Chris is the, talking about. The last guy Steel on Billy? the phone list. Steel Billy? Yeah. Is he the one with the uh, experiences from yeah, yeah. 2003? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a testimonial about somebody that just heard me on a conference call, got a couple of free documents from me, criminal complaints, and uh, clubbed everybody like baby seals yeah. the same way. And, and we and just learned about just learned about this the other day from him and decided to invite him onto the call. I'd like to add that uh, when Dave talks about mens rea, you know, and, and how the, the Supreme Court says that he must, you know, you must prove every element of mens rea. This guy that you're going to hear, he turned that around and used mens rea on them. And uh, and so I'm going to unmute him. And uh, Steel Billy, you there? Hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Welcome to the call. Well, thank you. And uh, would you mind sharing? Uh, what you shared with us the other day that uh, I was looking forward to having you on the call tonight to talk about it. Uh, In 2004, I went through a a divorce, and my ex-wife attorney was the judge's uh, election campaign manager. And every single time I went to court, he would make statements like the Constitution didn't mean anything in his court, contracts didn't mean anything in his court, and and he would cuss me out. Uh, and he broke the law every single time I went to court. I heard David speaking on, I think it was gifting, and got uh, his criminal complaints. And this was, you know, over 10 years ago. And I got maybe four sample criminal complaints with uh, a list of things that they could be violating. So I cut and paste everything together, and and I filed criminal complaints. I tried to get the judge to recuse himself, and I went to the Supreme Court and asked them to recuse him. And they said that what he was doing was acceptable conduct. So I did it all over again, this time doing it with uh, the criminal complaints, and I filed it with everybody. I filed it with everybody I could think he wouldn't want to see it. The attorney general, uh, I even sent copies of it to his church. And then uh, the Supreme Court said that that was acceptable conduct. So I... I said I wrote them back a letter and said I thanked them for their, you know, their opinion that now I couldn't be accused of misquoting them when I go public. And I start I put the judge on YouTube. I took his videotapes, the videotapes from the courthouse and put him on YouTube 
breaking the law and then saying that the Supreme Court approved of that. And within a week of me putting him on YouTube, the Supreme Court wrote to me and said I wouldn't have to stand before him anymore. And since then, I've had seven of my ex-wife's attorneys quit the day I filed or within a week of me filing criminal complaints on them. The guardian at litem they appointed in my case, she she went to the judge and asked him to help her stop me from filing criminal complaints against her. And the clerk of the court called me and told me what was going on. So I filed um, witness tampering complaint against her for going to the for, for going to the court and doing that because I was a witness in her crimes. And the next time we went to court, uh, she recused herself and, and quit. Said I went off this case. And I'm uh, on. Excuse me. Excuse me a second. I have something very important to say. I'm laughing my head off right now. Uh, this is why I'm in this, okay? This is what I'm trying to create out of everybody with my courses. Go ahead. Well, that's about it. I mean, other than I think I've gone through seven uh, different attorneys that my ex-wife had, each of them quitting, um, you know, within weeks of me filing criminal complaints, and I'm on my eighth judge. Did somebody drive in from out of state and actually tell you that somebody's having trouble keeping their license to practice or something? Uh, no. Uh, the, the, um, the judge, the first judge that I filed the criminal complaints against, uh, we built, I built cabinets in um, Shelbyville, Kentucky. And one of our builders was in another town and saw the judge's brother. And the judge, the his brother came up and asked him if he could get a certain kind of wood for a, a project he was doing. And the builder said, "Yeah, I can get anything you want from John Steele." And the this guy said, "No, our family won't be doing business with John Steele." He said he's so close to getting my brother taken off the bench, and he has spent so much money defending the criminal complaints he's filed against him that we won't be doing any business with him. Get my violin. (laughs) But that builder came, you know, he he left town and came straight to my my shop to tell me, you know, what uh, the judge's brother had told him. Because he he didn't know anything at all about what was going on. But it it really made, made my day and it made the builder's day. Oh, it's such a sweet story. And uh, now, for folks on the call, this came out of the blue. Um, I don't even know John. And years ago, he got a couple of examples from me. And what you hear is that what he didn't learn from me was a whole bunch of attitude. He might have listened to me on a call and, uh, and caught on to my attitude, but you can tell he's already got a bunch of it himself that he's taking the video of the judge and putting it on YouTube and right on. More power to you. That's the way to do it. And um, he wasn't going to take the corruption. And he went and made some waves and uh, 
caused some grief in the camp of the foe. And uh, my hat's off to you, man, for taking the initiative of just picking up a couple of documents and going, I can do this. And so look at how far he was able to go with it uh, just with uh, his willingness to be offensive and his willingness to observe what I had to say. Fantastic. Well, thank you there, Stu Billy. I appreciate that. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm the one that appreciates everything. I, this, you know, this was life-changing stuff. Yes, it is, and uh, and very refreshing. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Okay. All right. Does anybody have any questions, comments, or statements they would like to make? If you're on the phone, raise your hand by hitting star eight. If you um, <clears throat> have any questions in the chat, go ahead and type it in. And uh, you know, and I would, uh, you know, I would just like to submit that, you know, the one who's making the claim, the one who's saying that you owe a tax, has a burden of proof, and if they can't prove it then I believe you could start, you know, building a case of mens rea on his part because if he's trying to collect money and he can't prove it, he doesn't have any documentation, he doesn't have any statutory authority, and he can't use regulations, it's got to be a crime. It has to be. So start building your case. Start making notes. And, yes, we have Illinois Nation. Go ahead, John. How you doing? Chris, how can um how can he mention those YouTube videos and not give us the information that we can see it with our own eyes? <laughs> oh, so we can that's... laugh along with David. Uh, here, let me here, let me get him on the phone. Hold on a second. Still, Billy, are those YouTube still available? Yes. Uh, it's if you look up John David Miles on YouTube, there's there's a whole bunch of them. Oh, okay. Um and and yours and yours is easily to be found or what? Yes, if you type in John David Miles, Judge John David Miles, that you'll find all of the YouTube videos right there. I mean we put it under his name so that anytime oh somebody God. searched his name, it would be the first name that or first thing would come up on uh Okay, I'm looking through it right now on uh, Channel 11. News report of John David Miles cursing another litigant. Okay. An attorney, he cussed down an attorney, and the attorney had saw my videos and uh, went to the news media and told them, you know, what I, you know, what I, and, you know, filed criminal charges against him. Good stuff. That's great stuff. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay. You're welcome. I want to mute you back out and mute yeah. John back out. Thank you, John. All right, you can tell well, he's, uh, he's listening to that YouTube. Bunky just pasted into the chat. Um, I can't copy what's in the chat because I'm using TalkShoe. Pro. So, uh, Chris, why don't you 
can you email me that uh, link? Or other property, can you email me that link, please? Because TalkShoe won't let me copy and paste from the chat. <clears throat> Thank uh, you. Oh, uh, that's great. Oh, I see. That's a great story. That That's great work. Great to hear. I love it. Okay, well, I'm sure you're going to get it twice because I know other properties are faster than me. And, uh, <laughs> But uh, so I'm trying to beat them, and Dave, you now have it. Great. So criminal intent, man. It's uh, uh, send me that next one too. Um, <clears throat> so criminal intent, and these uh, these um. By the way, Aussie Luke, you've been on the call before. Yeah. WeVGov.com. We're about to close the call. WeVGov.com, you've been there before too, on the left, uh, let's see, on the federal income taxation page, there's a um, link now near the top of the page that says OID filer 600 years in prison. That was the topic of tonight's show, and uh, this was recorded, so you'll be able to to listen to the show. And uh, it's about the OID filers and the bunch of them you know, 600 years worth of charges in the indictment. Uh, It's something else. So anyway, um, I got nothing else for you. Uh, Criminal intent, start building your record. If you know somebody with with OID past, you really need to get them in tune with that criminal intent course or get them in in touch with uh, Chris. And uh, really, you start with that course. That's the best thing to do first. It's on uh, wevgov.com products page. So, okay, everybody. Take care. Okay, very good. Thank you, Dave. And uh, uh, real quick, um, uh, you know, the uh, if anybody has uh, wants to clear, clear up their credit report, we can do it. It's... Uh, is very affordable, and uh, and people do need a good credit report if they want to pay less on insurance and so forth, and uh, uh, you know pay less uh, interest on their credit cards that they have them, and and uh, and many advantages to having a good credit report. So get with me if you want that, and I got something that I think is pretty exciting coming up uh, that's going to help people. Like this guy and uh, that it, it got indicted. I, I want to help him, but um, I kind of uh, well enough said about that. Anyhow, with that being said, God bless America, and this call is officially over. And have a great night. Thank you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.